Welcome to Sermons from the Edge, a ministry of the Edge Church in Winona, Minnesota, a place where it's okay to not be okay, where you can come and you belong just as you are, no matter what you're facing. We pray this message will be a blessing to you. His life and some of the things that he did, which are not deep dive into the pride and the passion and the priorities of the palace of David as he becomes the king. We're going to find out that David is not really the story, but we're also going to find out who the true hero is. This morning I'm going to talk at the end a little bit about hero, your hero. Who is the hero of your story? In order to do that, all of that, we're going to have to set the scene. We're going to series in the series this morning. We're going to go back just prior to David coming on the scene and look into the Jewish culture that he kind of stepped into. Uh, we're going to look at the Bible. If you, if you have your Bible, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 15. I want to just take a second right here and just say this. If you don't have a Bible, I encourage you to get a Bible. Okay? If you need a Bible, come and talk to me after church this morning, and we'll get you a Bible or connect at the connect corner here after church this morning, and we'll get you a Bible. Now, I'm fully aware that we are a digital people, and we have Bibles on our phone. We have, we have uh, computer Bible programs. Samuel 15 is what I was looking at, we will look at. Uh, I want to encourage you to get a Bible. Uh, here's why. If you're, if you're trying to turn a new year and you're trying to uh, start reading the Bible, which you fear, that's not part of your regular habit, I strongly encourage you to do that. Uh, I encourage you to get a physical Bible, and when it's time for you to, you've, the time you set aside to read the Bible, take your physical Bible out and begin to read from the physical Bible, okay? Now you might, maybe you grew up in a different persuasion of faith and you, this is not common. Uh, but I'm going to tell you this, God's Word is inspired, it's His Word, His revelation of Himself to mankind. This is God's Word, okay? This is what's recorded in this, in this Bible. Here's what I want you to challenge, maybe some of you will be challenged by this. This book is just a book. It's God's Word printed on the book. When I say that, I'm gonna say, I say that because of this, I'm going to challenge you to mark and underline and circle and highlight and, and just, just tear it up. Uh, you might say, well, how can we do that? That's, that's the Holy Word. It is the Holy Word. But this book is a printed book, okay? I know that's kind of splitting hairs, but uh, what I've found in, in my, my years is as I, as I try to read the Bible, if I interact with the Bible more, I get more out of it. When I say interact, when I, when I underline, if you, look at my, if you were to look at my study Bible, uh, there's so much marking and highlighting and writing in the margins and go to this page. And I, I write in it so much that sometimes I think, I don't even, I'm not even sure if I can even read off of this thing because there's so much of my own writing on this thing. And, and that causes me to think, well, maybe I should get a new Bible and start over. And then I think, well, then I'd miss all the writing I put in the Bible. And I'd be, forget all the things that I wrote when I was being dumb and God smacked me upside the head. And, and, and just, just interact with the Bible, okay? I understand, and I also use a digital Bible. But I want to encourage you to, to get a Bible and make that part of your process, all right? First, Samuel, first and second Samuel, we're going we're gonna to start on a series. Uh, we're actually going to start in the middle of first Samuel because that's kind of where the story of David starts. This morning we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 15 and kind of go through 
uh, first and second, the rest of 1 Samuel and all of 2 Samuel, kind of story by story, not necessarily verse by verse, but we're going to go story by story and pick out kind of the, the things that we can glean that God is trying to, to, to tell us. In order to understand David's situation, you kind of, we kind of need an understanding of what uh, David was coming into and looking into, into, at the Jewish culture that he was stepping into. And Samuel is part of the story that, that precedes uh, King David. He was an Old Testament prophet. Uh, just so you, you know, we still believe in prophecy. And you might have heard someone say, well, I'm a prophet. I believe in that. I trust in that. Uh, one of the things I was thinking about as I was reading this week and considering this, this passage is in our current culture, uh, sometimes we, we go to prophets. There's, a, there's this phenomenon in church world where people will want to hear from a prophet. And the idea is that most prophets nowadays uh, will tell us great things like you're going to be you're going to be blessed you're going to prosper you're going to be the king of whatever you're going to be the president of a new company you're going to whatever but i want to just caution you with that because most of the messages from prophets in the old testament came with this downside like you better get it together or god's coming to get you kind of like my dad when i was in trouble you better get it together or i'm coming to get you uh, Samuel was a prophet. A prophet is somebody that was sent by God with a message from God to give to maybe a specific person or a group of people. And so Samuel is this prophet. He's coming on the, on the scene sent by God, and he's about to bring kind of a leadership change to the Jewish people. Saul is serving uh, prior to, to David. Uh, Saul is actually the very first king of Israel, the first king of the Jewish people. The Jewish people didn't need a king. In fact, God said, you don't need a king, I will be your king. And the Jewish people, uh, the Jewish people looked around at the other groups of people around them, and they said, well, so-and-so, that group has a king, and look how good that's working, and look at that over there, and that, that group has, had a, has a king, and look how great that's working, and, and, and we want a king. And that was the conversation they had with God. And God comes along and says, you know what? You don't need a king. I'm going to be your king. I will, have, I will be a king. And, and here's what we're going to do. God said, I'm gonna, we're going we're gonna to do life differently than the rest of the world. You're going to live your life different than they do. And the king thing is a piece of it that you don't, you're, you don't need a king. And they looked at that and they said, yeah, you know, that's really, that's brilliant. We're going to live differently. That's a great idea. But you know what? Give us a king. We've got this idea. We want the king. We want to have a king too. We kind of want to be like all the other people in this area. We want a king. And so Israel actually picked their king. Uh, they picked it for themselves. His name was Saul. He was the biggest and brightest. And Scripture tells us he was head and shoulders above all the other people around there. He was a good-looking guy. And so he was their king. Most of us grew up in church, heard the stories of Saul and you heard the stories of David and the good king and the bad king. Can I just ask you, how, how, who was the good king? No. Saul actually is a, is a good example of a good king. You might say, well, what do you... Or Saul is, Saul is... Saul, have you not read the Bible, Pastor Chuck? I want to show you some different pieces. And this will, we'll, we'll unpack this a little bit as we, we go through this. Uh, there is certainly some good things that Saul did, or that David did, but let's be honest about David. 
David outsinned Saul and the one. There are so many examples and so many stories in the rest of 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel that we're going to look at where, where David literally just totally messes up, totally blows it. As we're inter- introduced to this, introduce Saul into this series, he's messed up also. Saul has been given a task uh, to wipe out the Amalekites. They're a ruthless band of people that have, have for gen- after generation, they've raped and pillaged and terrorized the nations around them. God has given them many, many opportunities to repent and come back into relationship with Christ, and, and they, they wouldn't do it. And so God sends this message through Samuel uh, to King Saul, and the message is this. You're to go, go to war, take the Israelite people and go to war against the Amalekites, and totally wipe them. everything. Everything. You might say, well, wow, there again we have this Old Testament passage where it looks like God is just judgmental. And yet, we don't know the full story, but when we look at the Amalekites and how God had tried to have compassion on them, tried to draw them back, there is a certain point where they, they have to face God's judgment, and that's what, what, what Saul is supposed to, supposed to do. Here's the problem. Saul didn't do it. Saul showed up with God's message, and the message is basically that God is grieved that he ever allowed Saul, Samuel showed up with a message. He said, God is grieved that he ever let Saul be king. 1 Samuel chapter 15, and beginning in verse number 10, Then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm sorry that I ever made King Saul, for he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. Samuel was so deeply moved that he heard this, that he, when he heard this, that he cried out to the Lord. Samuel sets out for this confrontation with Saul, and his question literally is, why didn't you do what God said to do? It was so simple, there was, there was no gray area, that's what it was, and Saul's response was, hey, come on, man, it's all good, I'm good, I did it, it's okay, I did everything God told me to do. And Samuel's reply was, really? Do you, are you looking, look around with me, who's that dude over there that looks like a king? What are these animals around here? And, and Sam, Saul's response was, well, I mean, look at the king. I mean, he's a, he, we just decided, you know, we decided we should probably keep him. But I did. And, and again, Saul's like, well, look, what about all this stuff you plundered? And Saul's saying, you know what? Well, here's the thing. I work with all these warriors and these men, and these men came to me, and they said, hey, look at this good stuff. And, and we, should, we should probably keep, like, valuable stuff. Like, look at this livestock. It's amazing. Look at all these jewels and, and things of, of, of wealth. And, and my men, Saul is saying, my men decide that we should probably do this. We should probably keep it. So, so I just said, okay, 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 okay. Uh, we'll keep that, but we'll destroy everything else. And this is where we find Saul in our story this morning. Somewhat committed to the Lord, but there's a few things in his mind that seem better than God's idea. He's going to, to follow after his own ideas in just those little areas. And, and Saul is kind of taking things into his own hands and believing that, that he'll still, he's, he's kind of taking things into his own mind even and thinking, you know what, I will take these things. I mean, God kind of, he said everything and everybody, but 
I mean, come on, he, he probably didn't mean every. So I'm, I'm going to just set, set this side of stuff aside. But it's interesting, in, in Saul's mind, he was still being obedient to God. Look what he said to Samuel. I did it. I did it. I did everything that I was supposed to do. Saul pushes back against that, or Samuel pushes back against that, obviously. And he says, no, you You actually were disobedient. And again, Saul pushes back. Yeah, but the vast majority of what I was supposed to do, I actually did. I followed God. This is where we're kind of ending with Saul in the last story that we're going to look at before we pick up King David. Just so you know, we're going to to go through chapter 15 this morning and I'll begin next week with chapter 16. So if you want to read ahead... But look what happens going on in verse number 22 of chapter 15. But Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of lambs or rams. Rebellion is sinful as sinful as witchcraft. And stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, He, the Lord, has rejected you as king. In other words, Paul, Saul, or Samuel is really saying, you know what? You, th- you really think that you did the right thing? You really think that 80% of obedience is, is what... You, you really think that... That you saved all this livestock and you're going to offer the offering and you really think God's going to accept that offering? Come on. You can't really think that. In fact, Samuel says, you're so, you're so mistaken, misled, delusional. You're so messed up in your thinking that you think that's going to happen. But in reality, what has happened is you have sinned and your sin is as bad as witchcraft. Doesn't Samuel seem like just this warm, fuzzy, lovable guy? Just, oh man, I wish I could have coffee with that dude. I bet he's got some amazing things. Samuel, Samuel to me seems like one of those people that, uh, that I, I come across occasionally that seem like they are they're like tapped into the mind of Christ and God given them uh, words of wisdom and knowledge and those are things that God gives to people at a certain time for a certain setting and it seems like there's people that I come across in, in, in life once in a while, and, and I'll just walk up to people and start talking to them or be in a place where we're praying together, and they just start reading my mail. Like, Chuck, what about this in your life? Or Chuck, I feel like God's tell, been telling you this. Why are you doing that? It's the type of people that you're like, man, I, I love that person to death. I am terrified they're going to just read my mail. <laughs> Samuel is that guy. He's God's messenger for Saul, he's that guy. Samuel is basically saying, Saul, Saul basically in response to this, he, he begins to confess. He begins to say, you know what, I, I don't know what to do. I, I did the wrong thing. Uh, God has rejected me. And, and at, the end of this, at the end of the successful battle, the prophet and the king uh, are supposed to go and worship the Lord. They're supposed to go to the temple and worship the, the Lord together. So in an ideal world, the prophet tells the king, here's what you do. You go to battle. You win the battle. You come back. And, and the prophet and the king 
go together and they, they worship the Lord together in front of all the people. That's the normal. And so that's what's supposed to happen. Look what Saul's response is to Samuel when Samuel comes and tells him, listen, you're, you're disobedient. It's, all, it's just all not going to work. Look at this in, in verse 24. Then Saul said to Samuel, uh, Saul said to Samuel, catch this, I have sinned, I violated the Lord's command and your instruction. I was afraid of the men and so I gave in to them. Uh, it looks like, at first reading, it looks like repentance, doesn't it? Like, wow, that was quick. He just kind of got confronted and he just like turned right around and everything's good and it looks great. Uh, look, what, look what it says in verse 25 though. Now I beg you, forgive my sin and come back with me. Saul is saying to Samuel, come back to me so that I may worship the Lord. Again, it looks like Samuel's, or Saul's doing the right thing. Okay, we did some stuff wrong, but you know, you don't understand. I was with these people and I work with and they're kind of high pressure and all the pressure I have and Samuel, you don't understand the relationship thing and the people I work with. You don't know where I'm at in, in our eyes and for doing what we did. Everything seems okay. We, we need to just, Samuel, Samuel, we just, just, let's just chill on this thing, okay? We did what we thought was right. Apparently it was wrong in, in your eyes and God's eyes. But listen, Samuel, let's just chill out a little bit. I'm sorry, but... Can we just go and worship in front of the people? In other words, Saul is saying, can you, can you just put all of this stuff and let's just go make a nice scene and, and look good for the people so that I can look good for the people is what Saul is really saying. Can we just, just slide the sin under the, under the carpet and, and let's just go look? Samuel is, again, the voice of God and he's not able to do this, jumping to verse number 26, but Samuel said to him, I will never... I will, I will not go back with you. You have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you as king of Israel. As Samuel turned to leave, this is an interesting verse. Look at the, look at the panic in, Samuel, in Saul's demeanor. As Samuel turned to leave, Saul caught him, or Saul caught, caught hold of the hem of his robe, and it tore. Saul is so, so, ugh, I, I just got to, I need to have this affirmation. The people need to see us worshiping together. Samuel, you have to come. You can't just walk away from me. He reaches out and grabs the coat and it tears. Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to one of your neighbors, the, to one better than you. He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind. He is not a human being that he should change his mind. Saul replied, I have sinned. I have sinned. I recognize it. Don't leave. I'm going to grab your coat. Don't leave. Don't leave me here. I've sinned, but please honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel. Come back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. Come back, please. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Don't leave. It's real interesting, that last, last verse I read. Come back with me so that I may worship the Lord, your God. Isn't that an interesting statement? The king of God's people can't even say, let's worship our God. I'm sorry, I didn't realize how I was making such a big deal. I'm wrong, I've sinned, I'm sorry. Let's go worship together in front of my people. Three times Saul was with sin. I'm sorry. Three times he says, let's go. 
so I can look good, so that I can worship with the people. Let's make this throne will perceive me to be a great king. It's all about perception. You see that? It was about perception. Samuel literally turns and walks away, and Saul in desperation, as we saw, grabs out. I can't let those things go. I, I, I just can't let it go. I've got to do this. Jumping to verse 34, then Samuel. But Saul went up to his throne in Gibeah of Saul. Until the day Samuel died, he did not go to see, though Samuel mourned for him. And the Lord regretted, another verse, another passage or another version says, the Lord grieved. The Lord regretted that he had made King Saul over Israel. The second time in Scripture that the Lord is quoted as grieving or mentioned as grieving over making Saul king. It's an interesting setting for a new king coming in, isn't it? Samuel and Saul part ways, and according to Scripture, they never speak again for the remainder of Saul's kingship. You have to do some math, and you've got to pull pieces together, but it actually ends up being 25 years from that point until Saul is done being king. 20 and the prophet don't even speak to each other. The prophet being the voice of God, the word of God, the vision has nothing to do with the king or the throne of God. I want you to understand that God's voice is not welcome and is not a part of the throne of God, the leadership of God's people. God was grieved he made him, made Saul the king. As we start this series... Um, about David, it's important to understand that the Israelite kingdom is in what God expected from his appointed leader. It's important to know what, what was the context, what was supposed to happen. And so we're going we're gonna to take just this piece of it and I'm going to just give you some practical applications to 1 Samuel chapter 15 uh, and then we'll wrap up this morning and we'll come back next week and talk about how God actually chose David to be the successor to King Saul. A few things that will help us in, in applying this scripture today from, from 1 Samuel 15. There's three things I want you to see. To reject obedience is to reject God's word. To reject obedience is to reject God's word. To reject God's word is to reject his authority. And to reject God's word is to reject God himself. It's a lot of, a lot of things. And I'm going to unpack this just a little bit. To reject Obedience is to reject God's word. Samuel was trying to show Saul that sin is a big deal. When you go against God's word, that is a big deal. That's not just pass off and say, okay, I'm sorry, let's just move on and and, and go on. (laughs) How does that apply to us? Well, let me me just kind of give us some scenarios. For us, sometimes we have our own thoughts or ideas or direction or choices. I've got some things that I might think that are best for me. And so how many times can we look at our own lives and, and think, well, I, th- I thought that this would be the best situation for me. In other words, you know what? I, I love the Bible. Church. It's just a cool atmosphere. I love the friendships that we have. And, but you know what? There's, there's some things that, you know, I'm going to take 85% of this and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to maybe apply that in a, in, a, in a great way. But there's some things about my life that I'm not sure God really knew what it was like to be in business in 2023. 
I know that, I mean, he has, you know, he's, he's probably a good guy, and he probably, he's got a lot of great stuff to say, but 2023 is a little bit different. Or, or you know what, language, the way we speak, the way I speak, that, you know, I know God, he's got these things, and, I, and I'll, I'll honor that in some ways, but, you know, my ethics, the way that I use my money, we've talked about money a little earlier today, I know God had this great plan, but he, he obviously didn't live with inflation, he didn't live with recession, uh, live it in 2023. So money is kind of one of those things where I, I'm buying into 85% of what God has. But the other 15%, I, uh, I've had people come to me and say, um, Pastor Chuck, I want to talk to you about something because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do X, and I, I really believe that it's part of God's permissive will. They use this word permissive will, which to my knowledge, I can't seem to find that in the scripture. God's perfect will, God's will, you know, it's kind of like Saul and Samuel. God told Saul, this is what you do. And Samuel said, I'm going to do that, but I'm going to do this too, because I'm going to just hope that's permissive. Permissive will, I don't understand that. Saul was trying to, to tell Samuel was trying to tell Saul, there is God's will. But how many times do we do the same thing? Well, you know, the Bible seems to say X, but I'm not sure that God really understands, so I'm going to kind of... Is Jesus the Lord and King, or is he just a nice thought on a busy day? Think about that. Is Jesus the Lord and the King of our life, or is he just kind of a nice thought on a busy day? Boy, it's nice to go to church and feel, the, feel what is just calm and peaceful. Maybe you're not even sure what it is, but it just feels comfortable. That's such a cool feeling, God. That's just awesome. What a nice feeling. But, you know, Lord and King, do you realize that you can't reject a king? You ever really thought about that? The Lord, allow, when we invite Jesus to come into our heart and be the Lord of our life, the King of our life, if we're really doing that, people don't reject a king. It just doesn't, you can't. You say, well, what if, can you imagine? Can you imagine someone with that authority level walking into your, your physical life and saying, hey, I, I would like you to. And just saying, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's good for me. I, I don't think I'm gonna, I don't think I'm gonna give up my chair so you can sit in it. There's some other chairs in the back, or the ushers will grab something you can sit in. Can you imagine? If if God is the Lord and the King of our life, you don't say no to God. If we follow God's word, we're showing that He is the Lord and the King. Obedience isn't obedience to God and God's word is not like walking into a a, a Sunday afternoon food buffet where we pick and choose and like, oh, I like the peas, I like the spinach, I like the, oh, the sirloin, that's good. Ah, are you kidding? What is that? That's, what is that, like sauerkraut? No. When, we, when we're obedient, it's everything. It's not, obedience is not a pick and choose a- aspect. Saul, Samuel and Saul, Saul wanted to put, to put God on his head, or to pat God on his head, I'm sorry. Saul wanted to say, okay, I'm sorry, it's all right, I pat him on his head, come on, let's just go worship. It's not possible. 
We don't get the choice of saying, God, you know, I, I love you, kind of. You know, we wouldn't say kind of. We just, oh, Lord, I'm passionate about you. I love you. And I'm so glad. I... But then is that the same message we carry when we walk out the door after church this morning? Is that the same message that we carry when we, when we decide how we're going to live our life? Can I just ask a question? And maybe this is a rhetorical question. Hopefully it is. But why do we go to church? Yeah, somebody just went, what did you say? Pastor, you're cutting your own throat. We should be in church. Why do you go to church? Do we come to church so that, so that we can gain understanding of God and God's Word? Or do we go to church just kind of so that we can get that, that feeling that, you know, this is just something I probably should do, so I'm going to go and I'm just going to get this out of the way. I'm going to take care of this little piece of business, check the box, and, and I'll be on my way. Kind of pat God on his head. God, I'll give you a little time. You give me a little feeling. You give me a little joy. And I'll pat you on the head and we'll both start, go our separate ways. And why do you go to church? Is it to check a box? Why do you pray? We talk about praying all the time. The Bible says pray without ceasing. There's, I mean, prayer is... I mean, you can't separate faith without prayer, right? We know that it's there. Why do you pray? Is it to, is it to give, give God our wish list and the needs we want taken care of? And, and here, oh, by the way, God, I know that you really don't have a clue what you're doing, so I'll just tell you how I expect that need to be met. Here's how you should answer the prayer, God, because I know that's a straight. How do we... Isn't that what we do? How about, how about this? When I grew, was growing up, um, in the process of learning to pray, my parents would teach us how to pray, and, and, and part of that was here's, here's something that we can help the little kid learn how to pray. Uh, and we, we taught him these little prayers, right? Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray to the Lord my soul to keep. The weird part, if I should die before I wake... I pray the Lord my soul. Who does that? <laughs> Don't teach your kids if I should die before I wake. That's just, they're not going to wake up because they're never going to go to sleep. <laughs> we teach these things. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for his food. Amen. Okay. I get it. Small kids, small children learning to pray. Why do we hold on to those things? Have you, thought, have you ever have you actually stopped to listen to yourself pray? And recognize how it might not be God is great, God is good, let's thank Him for His food. It might not be that, but many times we fall into these patterns where we're actually praying the same thing every time. It's become just this mindless dribble, and it really is not about connecting with God. It's more about, if we're really honest, it's more about checking the box. Spend a little time with God today. Check the box. Why do we pray? To reject obedience is to reject God's word. Obedience is important. To reject God's word, if we're going to reject God's word, if it clearly says in there this is what we do, if we're going to reject God's word, aren't we rejecting his authority? If I'm not going to listen to what you say and do what you say, I'm rejecting your authority. You don't know enough, or I don't think you know enough to, to, to warrant me doing this. If we reject, reject God's authority, aren't we rejecting God and literally saying, yeah, you know, uh, it starts with obedience and it goes all the way through to rejecting God himself. Worship team, you can come. 
There's this obedience, there's God's word, there's authority, and it comes to, eat, to him rejecting God. Can I just tell you this morning um, two things? Number one, I've said it before often, I'll say it again just briefly. Before I can preach to you, God preaches to me. You know, as I turn a new, a new year just like you, I look at the past, here's what's happened, here's what's gone on. I look at the future, here's what God wants. Before, we, before I bring a message to you, God deals with me. So I'm not necessarily speaking to you as like, I'm greater than... No, 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 don't, don't think that. That's not where I'm, what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. 85% obedience to God, His Word, and His authority is going to, t- to cut it. We are either all in or we're not in at all. That's just the way it is, church. Scripture even clarifies that. I'd rather, it, I'd rather you be hot, all in, or cold, all out, or even partly out. I'd rather be you all in or all out because you're somewhere washy-washy in that middle area. God says, I'm going to spit you out of my, li- my mouth. Spew. Kind of like projection vomit. That, that There's a visual behind that original text. Like literally like this visual. 85% church is not going to get us what we're hoping it will get us. Saul had been chosen to be the king, but he started to think he was bigger than that. Started to think, well, you know what? I'm all that. I'm a big guy. I'm a, I'm a powerful guy. I have influence. I'm the king of all these people. Woo! God had put, or Saul had put himself on the kingdom or on the as the king, but it wasn't a God thing. It was a power thing. It was like I'm on this. <coughs> okay, I made a few mistakes, but come on, Samuel, just come and come on, just kind of put your rubber stamp of approval on me, so that the people will recognize me as being this, you know, all that in a bag of chips. think, think about this for a second, if God would take the voice of Samuel away from the king of his people, from the throne of God, if God would take his voice away from the throne of God for 25 years because of disobedience, isn't that a strong enough lesson for us to recognize what God will do with us? God's about this stuff, church. God is, is real about what he expects from us. True repentance is accompanied by true remorse. Yeah, Saul said, okay, okay, I guess I, I messed up. I messed up, you know, kind of like your kids kind of roll their eyes. I messed up. Ah, all right, leave me alone. True repentance is accompanied by true remorse. Forgiveness without brokenness? Really? God wants all. He's, there used to be a saying that God is either king of all or he's not king at all. We don't get to pick and choose. We don't get to decide. 
You know, when the, when the Holy Spirit prompts my heart, that's a moment of decision for me. Maybe you're in that moment right now where the Holy Spirit is saying, well, what about this? I told you this. The Bible says this, but you're living that way. Maybe the Holy Spirit's pricking your heart right now. And I got to tell you, that's a, that's a powerful experience, a powerful moment, a life-changing event in your life. God pricked my heart about a few things this last couple weeks. And, and you know what? Some of it's not, not very fun. You know, when, sometimes when you, when you look in the mirror and you see something you're not real fond of, you kind of go, eh, maybe we should just, can we, can we break the mirror at this point? The Spirit puts his finger on things in our heart, then we have the opportunity to, to follow after him and to, to seek him and to, to follow his direction. And that's what he wants. That's what he desires. If he's truly the king, that's what we do. But we also have an opportunity to turn our back on him. That's just the truth. Nobody forces you or can force you to commit your heart to Christ. Now, as a, as a student, you might be, as a teenager, you might be still in your parents' house and your parents might be dragging you to church. You know, they might be forcing, uh, forcing you to be here and they can do that. I did that. I think that's fine. Just as an FYI. But they can't force you to have a heart for God. That's between you and God. Just like single one of us. Is God Lord of all? Or is he not Lord at all this morning? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for uh, the way that it challenges us. It's not comfortable, God. It's not always comfortable when we're in this place where the Holy Spirit is convicting me or, or asking for change or helping me to see reality in different areas. It's, it's not always a comfortable thing. But Lord, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful that you love us so much. that you are for us. You're not pointing out things in our life because you just want to condemn us. You're pointing out things in our life because you want to help us grow in our walk with you. Father, my prayer this morning is that we would, we would answer yes, Lord, to whatever fashion that might take in each of our individual lives, Lord, that, that we would say, yes, Lord, I hear, I see, I don't like what I see, I don't like what I hear because... It's not great. It's kind of dirty and messy and it's going to be difficult to turn that around. But Lord, yes, Lord, here I am. Here I am. Father, with your help, because you said I can do all things through you who strengthens me, with your help, God, I'm going to work on this area of my life. We're going to, we're going to change things, Lord. It might be a problem. Take a, a little while but I'm going to work on this area of my life, Father. Lord, may that be our prayer. May that be our heart. May that be our passion to know you more, to experience you, to be obedient to you, Lord God. Help us to grow in that, that no matter what the ask by your Holy Spirit may be, that the answer is always yes, Lord. No matter what that be, whether it's how I live my life, what I do with my money, what I do with my job or my company, whether it's what I 
who I talk to and what I say and where I go. Lord, help us to be of the mindset that when you come calling, when your Holy Spirit prompts us, we instantly say, yes, Lord, here I am. Send me. I'll go. Lord, be the heart's cry of each and every one of us, Lord. And God, as we do that, I pray that you help us to see miraculous things. You've been listening to A Sermon from the Edge, a ministry of the Edge Church in Winona, Minnesota. If the Lord has spoken to your heart through this message, we would love to hear about it. Contact information is available at winonaedge.org. Thanks for listening.